After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Nisrih Al-Aziz stated that today, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, your Jalsa Salana'i, the annual convention, is going to commence. The Promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, has described the Jalsa, i.e. the annual convention, as a purely religious gathering. Therefore, it should be clear to every participant of the Jalsa that we have gathered here today to make progress and advancement in terms of religion, knowledge and spirituality. We have gathered here today and shall remain here over the next three days whilst reflecting and deeply pondering as to how we can improve our conditions in terms of faith, knowledge and spirituality. For if we do not reflect in this way, and there is no benefit in coming here. In today's age, where the world is becoming unmindful of Allah the Almighty, followers of all religions are moving away from their respective religions. Also, the figures that come out annually indicate that a large number of people express disbelief in the existence of Allah the Almighty. In fact, even the condition of the Muslims indicates that they are Muslims in name only and that materialism has taken over. Therefore, under such circumstances, 
We who claim to believe in the Imam of the age, who was sent by Allah the Almighty in this era in accordance with the prophecy of the Holy Prophet ﷺ to revive the faith, and while having made this covenant that we will also help fulfill the mission of the promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi ﷺ, if, however, we do not pay attention to improving our conditions, then our claim to have come into the bayat i.e. to pledge initiation to the promised Messiah is just a hollow expression and it is empty of any spirit and our covenant of bayt is merely a covenant in name only and we are failing to fulfill it and our attending this jalsa i.e. the annual convention equals to attending a worldly festival. Thus, every Ahmadi should greatly reflect upon this and there is a need to pay attention towards assessing your conditions with great concern. For if we are guilty of having such a mindset as mentioned before, then all of this is of no benefit. If we were to analyze ourselves whilst keeping in view the objectives of the Jalsa Salana, i.e. the annual convention, which the promised Messiah والسلام, has stipulated for us, then we will not only be fulfilling the purpose of these three days, but we will also become the recipients of the prayers of the promised Messiah, والسلام, which the promised Messiah والسلام, offered in favor of the attendees of the Jalsa. Moreover, we will improve our life in this world and the hereafter by making those objectives a permanent part of our lives. And not only will we be improving our own conditions, but our effort to seek good deeds and our acting upon them will also make our next generations firm in faith. We will draw them closer to Allah the Almighty and will make them the recipients of Allah the Almighty's blessings. And in an age where the world is distancing itself from Allah the Almighty and religion, our progeny will come closer to Allah the Almighty and will become a means to bring the world closer to Allah the Almighty as well. Therefore, if we wish to fulfill the covenant of bad and save our progeny, then we need to be ever mindful of the objectives of the Jalsa Salana i.e. the annual convention. We need to observe these three days with the firm resolve that these objectives will now continue to be part of our lives. Whilst expounding on the objectives of the Jalsa Salana, i.e. the annual convention, the promised Messiah والسلام, states that the attendees of the Jalsa shall be concerned about their hereafter and that this Jalsa is being held so that the attendees being in this special environment should develop a concern about their hereafter and that they should inculcate the fear of Allah the Almighty 
and adopt righteousness, i.e. taqwa, and kind-heartedness. There should be an atmosphere of mutual love and brotherhood, and they should become humble and adopt humility, and that they should establish themselves upon truthfulness and become active in the service of faith. Thus, this is the purpose of our gathering here today, and in relation to the words of the promised Messiah, every follower, whether a man or a woman, old or young, should be concerned about their hereafter to the extent that worldly things should amount to nothing compared to it. Whilst living in this material world, it is indeed a monumental task and a huge challenge, and in order to accomplish this, we need to undertake a great jihad. However, one can only be concerned about one's hereafter if one truly believes in the existence of Allah the Almighty and has firm faith that this world is only for a few years. At most, one can live for 80 years or 90 years or perhaps a maximum of around 100 years, but most do not live for this long. In fact, there are many people who pass away from this world much before this age, and then comes the life of the hereafter, which is everlasting. Therefore, a truly wise person is one who sacrifices what is temporary for the sake of what is permanent. However, what happens is that we tend to sacrifice the permanent life for the sake of temporary objectives or for this temporary life. And yet, despite this, such worldly people consider themselves to be great and wise. Therefore, a believer ought to not act in this manner, and it is only then that such a person can be considered a Mormon, i.e. a true believer. Such a person, i.e. a true believer, is one who has the fear of Allah the Almighty in his heart, and the love of Allah the Almighty supersedes all other worldly affections. However, he does not fear Allah the Almighty because he will be punished in the next life once he passes away. Rather, such a person fears Allah the Almighty because he does not wish for his beloved God to be displeased with him. And it is only once these sentiments of love develop that a person then strives to act in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty. In such an instance, every deed of that person is performed in consideration and being mindful of the hereafter. And he is certain that it is God alone who grants him the means for his provisions. And it is only God alone who blesses him with his rewards. And this includes all forms of rewards, both worldly as well as spiritual.
Moreover, he believes that if he continues to fulfill the rites of his worship and if he continues to submit himself before Allah the Almighty and whilst considering him to be the possessor of all powers, then he will continue to receive his rewards, inshallah, God willing. He believes that if he continues to live in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty and refrains from all that which he has instructed one to abstain from, then he will continue to become the recipient of Allah the Almighty's blessings. And if he continues to fulfill the rights of Allah the Almighty as well as those of his creation, whilst showing complete obedience to him and whilst maintaining righteousness, i.e. taqwa, then God Almighty will be pleased with him. Therefore, this is the mindset and whilst according in accordance with it will enable the person to become the recipient of Allah the Almighty's rewards and blessings which Allah the Almighty himself has promised. Furthermore, these very people who have such a mindset are referred to as those who tread on the path of righteousness i.e. the path of taqwa that is, those who act in accordance with the commandments of Allah the Almighty and whose hearts are softened i.e. they are tender as God is found within their hearts each and every moment of their life. These are the very people who hold sentiments of love for one another for the sake of Allah the Almighty. That is, their love and brotherhood are not for merely personal interests, but purely for the sake of Allah the Almighty. Similarly, these are the very people who tread on the path of righteousness, i.e. taqwa, and they develop modesty. Furthermore, they are not merely modest in front of those who are higher in status and wealthier than them, or that they are merely modest in front of those who are higher in status or in front of worldly people. Rather, they are also modest in front of the poor and the needy. And these are the very people who uphold truthfulness at all times and who believe that saying the right word leads a person to Allah the Almighty and that falsehood leads to shirk which is associating partners with Allah the Almighty. Hence, when a person is mindful of the hereafter and is fearful of Allah the Almighty and truly understands the reality of taqwa righteousness then how is it possible for such a person to speak falsehood after having become a believer? Furthermore, those who attain these qualities and comprehend the true spirit of piety and virtue, they are the ones in fact who are truly active in the service of their faith. Otherwise, if this is not the case, then this service also becomes a superficial means of acquiring personal interests. We often observe that there are hundreds of scholars among the Muslims who apparently seem to be very active for the service of their faith. However, in reality they are committing cruelties in the name of religion. They lack taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and the fear of Allah the Almighty cannot be seen in them, and worldly interests are dearer to them than the hereafter. And yet, they speak about the importance of Allah the Almighty and the hereafter.
Therefore, it is extremely important to understand the true spirit of these guidelines which the promised Messiah wanted us to achieve. That is, that we should not simply perform these in a superficial manner. Rather, we should understand the true spirit and the essence of these teachings. And in order to achieve this, we must assess ourselves whilst being mindful of this. And that is, that are we attending this convention, i.e. the Jalsa, with this intention? And that do we have the heartfelt passion to attain these objectives? And that if, due to human weaknesses, we have erred in the past while striving towards these objectives, then are we ready now with a renewed sense of passion to endeavour towards this with the best of our capabilities, to exhibit and establish these righteous deeds? And are we going to adopt this practice? Today, do we pledge that we will become those who are more concerned about the life in the hereafter than the life of this world? And do we pledge to give preference to the fear and love of Allah the Almighty over everything else? And will we endeavour as much as possible to tread on the subtle paths of taqwa, i.e. the subtle paths of righteousness, and that will we establish kindness in our hearts towards others? And will we increase our mutual love and brotherhood to the extent that it becomes an example for others to follow? And will we become those who progress in humility and politeness? And will honesty and virtue become our distinctive feature to the extent that everyone will say that Ahmadis always remain firm on the truth and that they speak the truth at any cost, even if they have to endure great losses in doing so? And will we be ever ready to render exemplary services for our faith? However, in order for this to be achieved, we must endeavour to propagate the message of Allah the Almighty's religion more than ever before to every individual in our society. And we must inform them about the true image and teachings of Islam. If we can fulfil this pledge and we spend our lives accordingly, then we have indeed accomplished our pledge of birth i.e. our pledge of initiation with the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wassalam. So come and let us establish our course of action to attain these objectives. A person who is worried about the hereafter and fears Allah the Almighty directs his attention towards safeguarding his worship. Such a person seeks to inquire the primary objective of their life which Allah the Almighty has established for them. And in relation to this, Allah the Almighty states, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ The Promised Messiah والسلام, has translated this verse in the following manner, that God Almighty states that the jinn and man have been created so that they may recognize me and worship me. The promised Messiah further states that hence, in light of this, the real objective of one's life is to worship Allah the Almighty 
and to become devoted to Allah the Almighty and to attain the cognizance of God. The Promised Messiah further states that it is obvious that a human being does not possess the status to decide the purpose of his or her own life. Although people do try to decide that, however, they do not have the ability to do so, because neither do they come to this world by their own choice, and nor do they leave it at their own choice. In fact, they are merely a creation. And the one who created them and granted them excellent and superior strengths when compared to other animals, he has established a purpose for their life, irrespective of whether one understands it or not. The Promised Messiah states that the purpose of the creation of humanity without a doubt is to worship Allah the Almighty and to wholly devote oneself in seeking the cognizance of God and to immerse oneself in Him. However, what is the method of this worship which God Almighty has taught us in order to attain this objective? And that is, to establish prayer. Allah the Almighty states, Inna salata kanat alal mu'minina kitabun mawquta. That is, verily, prayer is enjoined on the believers to be performed at fixed hours. In relation to this, the Promised Messiah states that offering prayers at the fixed hours is something that I hold very dear to me, meaning that it is vital to offer prayers at its fixed time. However, we find that in this day and age that prayers are not offered on time due to very trivial reasons and people show negligence in this regard. In fact, there are some people who do not offer prayers altogether. They offer three or four prayers instead of the five daily prayers and show indolence in this regard. Whereas Allah the Almighty has commanded the believers to protect their prayers. Allah the Almighty states that Hafizu al-Salawate was Salat al-Wusta. That is, watch over prayers and the middle prayer. Meaning, that one should be mindful of their prayers and particularly the middle prayer. However, due to worldly endeavours and employment, there are many who miss their Zuhr and Asr prayers, or because of some programme on television, or due to their personal plans in the evening, they will miss their Maghrib and Isha prayers. And there are also some who miss the Fajr prayer and use sleep as an excuse. Hence, every one of us must evaluate ourselves and determine whether or not we are acting on the commandments of Allah the Almighty. There are some people who offer prayers in congregation during special Jamaat programs and in the month of Ramadan 
and consider that as having followed commandments of Allah the Almighty and that it does not matter whether or not they act accordingly for the rest of the year. However, one must pay heed to what Allah the Almighty and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him have said about the importance of observing prayer. Allah the Almighty states, إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ That is, that he alone can keep the mosques of Allah in a good and flourishing condition who believes in Allah and the last day. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that when you see someone visiting the mosque to offer prayers, then you should testify that such an individual is indeed a believer. This is because Allah the Almighty states that only those individuals populate the mosques who believe in Allah the Almighty and the Last Day. And although we all claim to be believers, but only those peoples are believers in the sight of Allah the Almighty and in the sight of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who populate his house, i.e. the mosque, and this is because they believe in Allah the Almighty and the last day. Therefore, it has been made clear that simply coming to the mosque is not enough. Rather, it is vital to attend the mosque with a firm belief in Allah the Almighty and also the hereafter. And whosoever carries this mindset will fear Allah the Almighty, and such an individual will not come to the mosque to create disorder and will not be one of those worshippers whose prayers become a means of their own downfall and destruction. And instead of attaining Allah the Almighty's pleasure, such worshippers incur the wrath of Allah the Almighty. However, those who are truly righteous, they are concerned about the hereafter and they fear Allah the Almighty. Their hearts are tender and filled with love, affection and brotherhood. They are humble and remain established on truthfulness and they propagate the peaceful message of Islam. Their mosques are places which one does not fear and nor are they places where evil ploys are hatched. It is for this reason that Allah the Almighty states that only stand in those mosques whose foundations have been established on taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and not to spread evil and disorder. Therefore, those who populate the mosques while remaining firm on taqwa, i.e. righteousness, they also fulfill the due rights of Allah the Almighty and also the rights of His creation. It is regarding these very people that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has given the glad tidings that on the Day of Judgment, the first question that his servants will be asked about is the observance of prayer. God Almighty will ask the angels whether or not they offered their obligatory prayers, and those who have offered all their prayers, their account in this regard will be complete, and will declare that they have observed all their prayers.
However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then further stated that those who have some deficiencies in their obligatory prayers, and in relation to them God Almighty will ask about their nawafil prayers, i.e. their voluntary prayers, and if there is any shortcoming in the observance of obligatory prayers, then it can be fulfilled from their nawafil prayers. Thus, God Almighty stating His servants here signifies that these people strive in the servitude of God Almighty and seek to fulfil His due rights. At times, in certain extreme cases, and owing to one's natural weaknesses, there can be shortcomings, or one can forget. However, Allah the Almighty, granting His mercy and forgiveness, fulfills the deficiencies of one's obligatory prayers by accepting their nawafil in its place, i.e. the voluntary prayers, and thus forgives His servant and increases His deeds in this way. However, those who offer the nawafil prayers are the ones who instill the fear of Allah the Almighty in their hearts. Because nawafil, i.e. the voluntary prayers, is a prayer which one does not even have to leave their home to offer. Rather, it is offered in seclusion and in privacy. Thus, one who offers the nawafil prayers truly fears Allah the Almighty. And these are the very people regarding whom Allah the Almighty states that these are my servants. Indeed, his servants can commit mistakes but they do not persistently go on committing them. In fact, they seek to expiate those sins. Thus, this is the mercy of Allah the Almighty, whereby on the one hand, Allah the Almighty has stated that prayer is not an ordinary matter and that it is the very first thing which one will be asked about. Therefore, one must pay attention to this. But on the other hand, God Almighty has also stated that if one enters the servitude of Allah the Almighty, and fulfills the rights of his worship whilst adopting taqwa, i.e. righteousness, then the nawafil will be of the same rank in virtue as the obligatory prayers, and will cover his servants in the mantle of his forgiveness. Therefore, on the one hand, whilst Allah the Almighty has given glad tidings of his forgiveness, he has also directed our attention towards offering the nawafil prayers in order to become the recipient of his grace. Hence, a believer is one who whilst adopting the fear of Allah the Almighty not only directs his or her attention towards observing the obligatory prayers but also observes the nawafil prayers so that they can fulfil it if there are any shortcomings in the obligatory prayers. These are the people who truly fear Allah the Almighty and adopt taqwa and it is owing to taqwa, i.e. righteousness, that their attention is then directed towards fulfilling other virtuous deeds as well. And their hearts become tender for one another, and instead of seeking revenge, they seek to forgive one another. And in order to attain the love of Allah the Almighty, they treat one another with love and affection, and their hearts are filled with humility. Such individuals develop a spirit of sacrificing for the sake of others. Therefore, in this regard, everyone should assess their own condition as to whether they have these characteristics. 
A true believer is one who strives to adopt every form of virtue. If a person does not show love towards his fellow brother, then he does not have true taqwa within him. Similarly, one should be concerned if they are not kind-hearted, and one whose wife and children are deeply annoyed at him over his conduct at home lacks in taqwa, i.e. righteousness. And likewise, those wives who fail to fulfill the rights of their husbands and children and make unjust demands, their hearts are also devoid of taqwa. And those who treat one another with love and kindness for the sake of Allah the Almighty, they are the ones who truly adopt taqwa, i.e. righteousness. In relation to them, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that on the Day of Judgment, Allah the Almighty will declare that where are those who love each other for the sake of my glory and greatness? For today I will shelter them in my shade on a day when there is no shade but mine. Therefore, those who love one another whilst adhering to the commandments of Allah the Almighty purely for His sake, they are the ones who become the recipients of His grace. And on the other hand, those who do not do this, they can incur the displeasure of Allah the Almighty. Therefore, each and every one of us must instill the Spirit within them. We proclaim the slogan of love for all, hatred for none. However, we must first practice this within our own homes and in our societies so that this message can spread in the world in the true sense. Moreover, through just a small effort on our part, we can enter the shade of Allah the Almighty's mercy. On numerous occasions, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has granted advice on how one can establish peace and tranquility in society and to increase love, affection and brotherhood for one another. In relation to this, the Holy Prophet once stated that Muslims are brothers of one another and he does not treat his brother unjustly and nor abandons him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also stated that one who remains occupied in helping his fellow brother, God Almighty himself fulfills his needs. And whosoever alleviates his brother's affliction, Allah the Almighty shall lessen one affliction from him on the day of judgment. And one who covers the faults of his fellow brother, then in turn Allah the Almighty shall also cover his faults on the day of judgment. Thus, God Almighty bestows His mercy and benevolence through different means and provides means of our forgiveness. However, man, owing to his own inefficiencies, his ego and stubbornness, incurs the displeasure of Allah the Almighty. Therefore, one should be greatly concerned and deeply ponder over this matter. During these days, while everyone's attention and emotions are directed towards virtue, and you have also gathered here with the view that you are to take part in a gathering where you will listen to talks of virtue and piety, therefore you should assess your conditions and focus towards fulfilling the rights of Allah the Almighty 
and also towards fulfilling the rights of his creation. You should seek to recognize the true essence of developing kindness and love for one another and also adopt humility. This is also important for us to achieve because the pledge of bayt that we have taken with the promised Messiah is on the conditions of abstaining from shirk, i.e. associating partners with Allah the Mighty, and observing prayers, both obligatory and voluntary prayers. But also in addition to these conditions is that under the impulse of any passions, he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of God in general and Muslims in particular. And this is not limited towards fellow Muslims or members of the Jamaat only. Indeed, we must begin from our own home, then in our dealings with other Muslims, but ultimately this should apply to the whole of mankind, and we should have love and affection in our hearts for every single person. We must become free from our inner passions, and we should also treat our subordinates with kindness. Our conduct should be such that if anyone wishes to assess determine whether our standard is according to what we claim, then they may do so. And moreover, when others assess our standard and it is truly according to what we claim, it is only then that we can say that indeed we are true believers and that we are fulfilling the due rights of our birth. Then another condition of our birth is that he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and adopt humility and meekness. And to adopt humility and meekness is not just one of the objectives for which the promised Messiah has established the Jalsa, i.e. the annual convention, but in fact to adopt meekness and humility is also amongst the conditions of the birth that we have pledged with the promised Messiah Therefore, it is our responsibility to fulfill this pledge, and this in fact is the very first step towards truthfulness, which is that we fulfill the pledge that we have made. Therefore, we should also regularly read the conditions of our birth and assess our conditions as to whether we are holding true to these conditions and striving to lead our lives according to them. Because if this is not the case, then our claim of wanting to reform the world is wrong. Therefore, we should first seek to reform ourselves. Otherwise, we will be counted amongst those individuals whose actions are not in harmony with their words, and God Almighty has expressed His displeasure at such people. Moreover, in such an instance, instead of testifying to the truth, our actions and practices will be testifying to falsehood. When there is incongruity between our words and our actions, 
then our claim to serve faith and all our efforts towards this will also be false. Indeed, the promised Messiah is true and he is true in his claims and there is no doubt that Allah the Almighty has vouchsafed his promises of granting him victory. And there is no doubt that Allah the Almighty has promised to grant him a jamaat, a community of sincere devotees. But if our condition remains the same, then we will not be counted amongst those who are the true helpers of the promised Messiah والسلام's community. Therefore, in order to receive the blessings of our bath, we must assess our conditions and also ponder over the objectives of the Jalsa. We are very fortunate that we have been granted three days of the Jalsa to reflect over this. And so, each and every one of you should assess their condition and instead of engaging in idle conversation, you should spend your time in supplications, seeking forgiveness and sending salutations upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, i.e. reciting durud. And it is only then that we can truly benefit from the Jalsa. The Promised Messiah states, The members of my Jamaat, wherever they might be, should listen with attention. The purpose of their joining this movement and establishing the mutual relationship of spiritual perceptor and disciple with me is that they should achieve a high degree of good conduct, good behaviour and righteousness. No wrongdoing, mischief or misconduct should even approach them. Therefore, this is the standard of true taqwa, a righteousness, in that they should be free of such ills. The Promised Messiah then further states, that they should perform the five daily prayers regularly in congregation. They should not utter falsehood and should not hurt anyone by their tongues. They should be guilty of no vice and should not let even a thought of any mischief, wrong, disorderliness or turmoil pass through their minds. They should shun every type of sin, offence, undesirable action, passion and unmanly behaviour. They should become pure-hearted and meek servants of Allah the Almighty. That is, they should become such individuals whose hearts are pure and free from all ills and no poisonous germ should flourish in their beings. The Promised Messiah then further states that sympathy with mankind should be their principle and they should fear God Almighty. They should safeguard their tongues and their hands and their thoughts against every kind of impurity, disorderliness and dishonesty. They should join the five-day prayer services without fail. They should refrain from every kind of wrong, transgression, dishonesty, bribery, trespass and partiality. That is, one should refrain from usurping the rights of others and showing unlawful bias and causing harm to others. The Promised Messiah further states that they should not participate in any evil company. The youth should be mindful of ensuring to abstain from keeping bad company and the parents should also be mindful of this and ensure that their children are not keeping bad company. Otherwise they will take their influence and become like them.
The promised Messiah further states that if it should be proved that one who frequents the company of such a one who does not obey God Almighty's commandments, that is, if one finds out later that such a person does not obey Allah the Almighty's commandments, or is not mindful of the rights of people, or is cruel or mischievous, or is ill-behaved, then it is their duty to repel him and to keep away from such a dangerous one. Therefore, an Ahmadi should always keep good company and remain in good society. The promised Messiah then further states that they should not design harm against the followers of any religion or the members of any tribe or group. The promised Messiah then further states that become true well-wishers for everyone. If one wishes to advise others, they should do so in a sincere manner. In other words, one's speech and actions should be such that the words of advice should have an impact and one should not show bias towards anyone. The promised Messiah then further states, And take care that no mischievous or vicious person or disorderly one or ill-behaved one should ever be of your company or should dwell among you. For such a person could at any time be the cause of your stumbling. The Promised Messiah then further states, It is the duty of every member of my Jama'at to act upon these instructions. You should indulge in no impurity, mockery or derision. Walk upon the earth with good hearts, pure tempers and pure thoughts. Do not attack anyone improperly and keep your passions under complete control. If you take part in a discussion or an exchange of views on a religious subject, express yourself gently and be courteous. If anyone misbehave towards you, then withdraw from such company with a greeting of peace. God Almighty desires that you should become a Jamaat that should set an example of goodness and truthfulness for the entire world. Therefore, be alert and be truly good-hearted gentle and righteous. You will be known by your regular attendance at prayer services and your high moral qualities. Thus, you will be recognized by your observance of the five daily prayers and your excellent morals. And if you can develop these traits, then consider that you have fulfilled the rights of your bed. The Prophet Messiah further states that he who has the seed of evil embedded in him will not be able to conform to this admonition. That is, one who has the seed of evil embedded in him shall not be able to conform to this instruction. May God Almighty grant us all the ability to fulfill the rights of our bad with the promised Messiah and may we adhere to his instructions and fulfill his expectations from us. And may we also avail of as much benefit as possible from the Jalsa and thereby improve our religious, spiritual and intellectual conditions and then may we continue to remain established upon these virtuous deeds.